Melissa Anderson. Yes. Thanks for being my guest on Hello from Campus. Thank you. And um, I've just been bumping into you off and on for the last few months since you've been on campus. So maybe just tell our listeners a little bit about what your role is here, how long you've been at Dixie, uh, what your favorite parts are of your job, things like that. Okay. Well, thanks for having me on the Mm -hmm. show. Um, Just a little bit of background about me. I'm born and raised in Montana, so I'm not a native of southern Utah, but I came down here because I love the weather. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I got here about five years ago. I started working at a TV station in uh, St. George, uh, KCSG, which no longer works out of here, but I still do some work for them on the side. Um, And then uh, most recently, in about two and a half years ago, I was offered a position here on campus with a community education channel, which is kind of a subsidiary of um, Dixie State University. So my job as a community education reporter is to cover all of Washington County, all five of the major cities of Washington County, as well as Dixie State University. So I have a wide plethora of um, area or scope to cover. Um, My background is in television news, so I've been doing that for many, many years. Um, And I guess just about my job or my position that I do, um, I, I like to inform people and let them know about what's going on in the community. So when I say community education, it could be anything from flu shots, which I was covering earlier today, to, um, you know, uh, how to water your lawn or even just anything to do with health, um, uh, even covering the the president and talking about his Dixie State University speech, anything that has to do with um, informing the public about what might impact their lives. Um, because my job, I believe, is is making a difference in the community, informing them and letting them know, here's what's going on on campus, here's what's going on in the community, and the like. Well, it's uh, I subscribe to the, U- the YouTube channel that CEC, Community mm-hmm. Education Channel, is on. Mm-hmm. So I love it because I get updates when you post things on the, and I always open it and look, is this something I don't know about? Mm-hmm. And I, to be honest, I always want to watch the county commission and the city council meetings, but to be honest, I haven't watched those, but I think they'd be a wonderful source of information yeah. as a citizen. So I know I would be better informed on our local happenings and doings and decisions if I even did that. So thank you very much for the content you're providing. And yes. let me ask you, how do you go about prioritizing or deciding what to cover? Because you obviously have way more information available to you than you can cover. That That's a difficult thing. There's only one of me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> However, I did have two interns this summer, which made it helpful because they could be covering something while I was covering something else. Um, it is tough. Uh, a lot of times I get, you know, emails, um, which would inform me of an event that's happening, such as, you know, the, the, the airport when it was shut down, that's very important. It's a transportation. It's for people in the community. Definitely. So I would go and cover that, uh, talk a little bit about the costs associated that with that, what happened with it. So I try to prioritize based upon the need for how many people it might impact. That would so, be a good criteria. So I look at that and say, okay. And and, and also I, I look at things that I think might be interesting to the public. Um, helping other communities, finding 
resources to help other communities. Uh, recently, Dixie State University had a group of freshman students go all the way out to Hilldale, Colorado, mm-hmm. and they helped uh, try to get that community back together after it had, you know, uh, kind of a downfall, I should say, over the last 10 years in their changeover with their government and and with the things that have happened there in that community, and they need a lot of help. So it's anything that would be of interest to the community mm-hmm. and and to humanity as a whole mm-hmm. is, is how I do is that. Is Hilldale actually in your yes. your area? Yes, Hilldale it's part of Washington is in County. Washington County, okay. yes. What kinds of things, when they went to help, what kinds of things were they doing? Well... They did a lot. They they actually did everything from putting boots on the ground, shoveling, um, sweeping, um, laying sod, to actually planning and talking about what they could do to help uh, the water resources in that community. Um, anything to try to uplift the community after it had been kind of under, you know, the auspices of of their former leader there. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's a, not only is it practical, of practical help, but it's symbolic in a way because they've been somewhat isolated yes. based on their previous history. And mm-hmm. this is a direct way of breaking through that isolation, that history of, of not being connected. Right. To the and, and I think history is important. Mm-hmm. And one thing I see that, that we're kind of having a problem with with moving into the digital age is that a lot of our history is is being lost and I, you might go oh well everything's on the internet but it's really not because things that i've covered in the past um i started out in this business in 1984 and that's mm-hmm. a long time ago mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh now i'm telling my age but anyway uh well, you were like two years I, old when yeah, you were young. yeah no. <laughs> but anyway thank you uh so things were put in a little different perspective. They were on videotapes. They were um, archived in in television stations. But now that those stations close or move or change hands, that history is somewhat lost. Even if it's put on a on a certain channel, uh, Vimeo or mm-hmm. some other format on the internet, if that if that changes hands or if they don't pay the bill, that goes bye bye. It's not archived forever. And well, I would yeah. like to see that be archived because a lot of the stories that I've done in the past are gone. They're just simply as soon as someone, if it, if it passes hands from one, one tradition to another or one, one news station owner to another, mm-hmm. it seems to just disappear. Um, and, and I've backed up a lot of what I've done in the past on when we came to the hard drive age. But there, there, are, there are stories out there that didn't get backed up mm-hmm. and that aren't being backed up. And I would like to see us preserve a lot of our history through, through the stories that are told that, that could be lost or changed um, over the years. Well, so you're, you're describing when you talk about videotape, for example, analog technology. Yes. And now we're, what, almost exclusively digital Yes. And do you feel like you want to say anything about how that transition has come about? What kinds of things are possible? What th- kinds of things don't happen because we've gone from analog to digital? It, it's interesting. I have a camera that they let me borrow and, and put in my office just because it, it, it brings back some memories. But it's an old Ikigami three-quarter inch camera. The thing weighs about 40 pounds. I remember packing that around when I worked at a TV station in Rapid City, South Dakota, with another three-quarter inch tape deck mm-hmm. on my shoulder. Mm-hmm. And we're talking carrying um, 70 pounds of equipment every day with another 20-pound tripod 
Jeez. And you're carrying all that around. No wonder you look so fit. <laughs> I don't know about that. That's because everything's lighter these days. But you carry around all this equipment, and so you've got analog tape that's physically tape, and it had to be mm-hmm. kept. It couldn't get cold. It couldn't get too hot. It had to be stored upright. It couldn't be stored in a certain area um, because tape doesn't last that long. Um, and and over the years, we've changed from tape that, that's that big over to, you know, little bitty disc that's about this big. Uh, you know, it's just a little memory card or chip that goes in the back of a three-pound camera. And that's the digital format. That's the, and that holds probably 40 times more Amazing. in a digital format than mm-hmm. what this three-quarter-inch tape would hold. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, while we're cutting down the size of everything and it's great and it's better, and, and back in the day we used to, have to do analog tape-to-tape editing and if you had a mistake in the middle of your piece you had to stop and start over and and you know find where you'd cue it back up and start all over from that point um now you can just go back and move it you know digitally from one spot to another and wow it's like magic it's like a magic eraser and moving it and shaping it and forming it so the students that i've run across here at dixie state at the campus they're like what what do you mean and I remember splicing in radio uh, with a with a you know exacto knife, mm-hmm. and then using scotch tape to tape it up. Same mm-hmm. way in film, mm-hmm. and rolling it back over the capstan, and listening to that sound wah, and seeing where that would end up, and going, okay, did I get it? Did I get it just right? And now you can just re-record over it and replace mm-hmm. it, and it's in a timeline, and then all of a sudden it's spit out, and you're throwing it on the internet in seconds. Mm-hmm. It's crazy how far technology has gone. And not only that, but I would say that just in general, um, I think our media has really changed. Uh, A lot of people aren't going into broadcast media, such as what we're doing here, radio, television, as they used to be. Um, You might have a podcast or a vodcast or things like that. But I think they want to do it more for entertainment and less for um, I'm not saying less for information because there's YouTube out there, but I think that as far as media reporting goes, nobody's looking at three sources anymore. Mm-hmm. When I went into radio and television many moons ago, you had to have an FCC license to even turn a microphone on. Mm-hmm. And you had to take a test and you couldn't say swear words and you had to know what you were saying, what you weren't saying. Because if you didn't, you, you could be fined. As well as kicked off the air. (laughs) Do you think that that older standard, I would say an ethical or professional standard, a lot of our population grew up with that in that environment, that media Mm -hmm. environment. Mm -hmm. And so you could be pretty comfortable trusting the journalist and the venue because of those very rules that you're describing. Right. So it would be really tricky for someone who grew up with that model mm-hmm. of journalism mm-hmm. to now switch over to this new landscape where anybody like you, you know, anybody like you're inferring mm-hmm. can get the broadcast by way of the internet, mm-hmm. their point of view or their information without these ethical and professional standards applying to the individual. This is citizen journalism or citizen entertainment right. production, right? Without, right. without those rules. That's, that's correct. And, 
you know, I, I don't want to say anything about President Trump talking mm-hmm. about fake news, but right. there's a lot of that out there. Mm-hmm. And I think anytime you go into social media and there's so much of that out there that you don't know the difference between right and wrong, especially if you're younger mm-hmm. and you've come up and you've grown up with it. You have to really research those sites where you're getting that information. Right, right. You have to know your sources and research those sites. Right. And so when I go into research stories, I check those sites just as well to see, you know, is this accurate? Well, you, you're bringing up um, the term fake news, which is getting a lot of attention lately. Right. And in my um, public discourse, it's called Voice and Civility in Public Discourse. Mm-hmm. We, we've been talking about this idea of fake news mm-hmm. because that's part of the public discourse. You know, we're using that term in the very broadest sense. Any kind of public messaging, no matter what form. It can be art, even dance. It can be any kind of expression in the public sphere. Mm-hmm. So that's how we're using public discourse. So fake news is definitely a part of that landscape. And um, we listened to a little broadcast, a radio broadcast, where they were talking about the history of fake news. Well, that's all the way back to when there was ever news. Mm-hmm. I mean, people, the, the gatekeepers and the producers, some of that community has always had a proclivity for fake news for their, to meet their, their ends and Agenda. their means, right? Mm-hmm. And it was talking about the news, the press in the United States, when it, at the beginning, in the colonial days, it was very partisan. There wasn't even the idea. It was all pamphlets and promoting one cause or candidate over another. And so it was the penny press that brought up the idea of maybe something more neutral that advertisers would feel safe on and that wouldn't offend anybody, would have the largest audience. So, you know, it shifted from a very partisan, polarized point of view to a more neutral. And now we've we've got everything going on here now. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting. Now it's kind of like open season. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a, it's a mean, great metaphor. Uh, I don't yeah. know how else to explain it because yes. we've got We've even got public broadcast, mm-hmm. public radio, public television. But even those tend to sometimes sway one way or the other, depending on who's on. Well, you bring that up, that, that term public, because I'm thinking that's what you do. I do community education. That's public, right? That is. It mm-hmm. is public. Mm-hmm. And and if I don't put that hat on and say, okay, I'm trying to portray an unbiased opinion on this, and not opinion— but unbiased view on this, I have to be careful of what I do and how I do it. But mine is community education news, so it's more mm-hmm. along the educational front. But you could stick stuff in there that would make people look the other way. Right. And that is not what our job is supposed to be. It's supposed to be going and finding the sources, coming back and letting them tell the story, and then filling in the blanks to hold it together, okay. the glue that holds it together. So you have to be really careful how you write things, how you say things. I tend to look at my job more along the lines of storytelling mm-hmm. versus versus trying to sway or put something in the public's mind mm-hmm. because it is educational. You give them the information on um, you know mosquitoes and 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 the the viruses that are out there. That well, you, you mentioned vaccines today. I mean, <laughs> yes. what a hot topic! When yeah. you, if you want to have a point of view. Right. right, vaccinations. So I yeah. try to put out there what I'm given, but I don't do like the news does and go out and find the other side mm-hmm. and show that side, and that's very hard not to do. So you don't go out and find the other side based on resources? and Based on, I, I try to portray what, what 
what is happening with the event. So the event said, here's what we're doing. We're doing drive-up vaccines today, and here's why. And so when I ask my questions, I say, well, why do we need these vaccines? Mm -hmm. Why do you come and get these vaccines? What was the percentage of of uh, vaccinations that were effective last year. And based upon that, that information goes into the story and I let the public make their information, their based on that. I don't go out and actively find somebody that says, I'm against a vaccine because my child got, you know, autism from it. I could do that side of the, that side of the story, but mine is more on the vaccines itself. And the fact that 29% only 29% of that vaccine was was last year was actually good. Let's just say mean it, effective it was and, only effective at 29%. Mm-hmm. So I let the public decide that mm-hmm. and weigh that. Mm-hmm. I let them decide what they think about it. It's up to them to decide if it works for them. That's great. If it doesn't work for some other people, that's great. Let people form their own opi- mm-hmm. opinions by telling the story but also throwing those facts in there that 80 to 90 percent of senior citizens and the elderly do uh, in, in long term can die from from mm-hmm. from the flu. Mm-hmm. Now, whether they had a vaccine or not, I don't know that, but they can die from the flu. They're they're more susceptible to it. And that are and that's the statistics nationwide. So if you're 65 or older, your chances of dying from that are a lot higher because it turns into pneumonia. And there you go. Mm-hmm. So. Who's to say that we don't all die of pneumonia someday or heart attacks or whatever? But what I'm saying is is it's up to the person to decide what they get out of that story. So mm-hmm. I just try to throw the facts in there. I get my sources. I make sure my f- sources are correct. Um, so I back that up with research from the Internet, from the CDC, according to the CDC. And that is how I put my stories together. But oftentimes you will see just one side of one thing that's pointing you away from something without giving all of the facts. Mm -hmm. So it's very hard um, when you're doing community education news to educate without putting your opinion in it. And I see a lot of opinion going out on mainstream media news these days. It's not like when I I was in that business, Mm -hmm. which I'm not in a mainstream media business, but I can tell you there are certain channels that I don't watch Mm -hmm. because of that. (laughs) Well, you know, you bring up a topic. You mentioned earlier that you try to be unbiased. Mm -hmm. And in my classes, we also talk about um, being human. Is Mm -hmm. it possible for there to be a live human with no biases no so then no is the answer and and what i do in that case is i try not to cover those stories i remember i remember back in the day when i was first in the news business how i my 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 thoughts have changed over the years as i get older i think you get wiser (laughs) but at the same time i remember covering a bombing of a of of a planned parenthood it was a it was a they started a fire on the outside of it and were trying to blow it up because mm-hmm. of the things that they do inside. And I thought, man, that is terrible. And it was. It was bad because here they are saying, you're taking lives, so we're going to take lives? I mean, mm-hmm. an eye for an eye. What are we going back to those days? But but the point of it is is that that story was so hard for me to do um, from – I could, I had, couldn't back away from it, but the story had to be done. But I did, it, but I didn't want to be the one to do it. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I was a news director, so I had my news. I, as a news director, I had one of my news reporters go out and cover that story, and then I had him bring me back, and and say, "Did you cover this 
do you feel you covered this equally from both mm-hmm. sides? Mm-hmm. And then I had other people look at that before it went out and said, here, take a look at this. What do you think? Because I had to get away from that story because I was too close to it from my own personal views. And right. I've done that in the past, and I've said, okay, if I'm too close to it, I don't want to touch it. Right. Because I know if I'm biased one way or another. Everybody knows. They just don't sometimes want to show it, or they want to show it. Mm-hmm. Well, let me ask you— um, we were talking about the difference between bias and a point of view. Mm-hmm. And we were saying that bias is when you form a judgment without knowledge or research to back it up. It's kind of like a prejudice. That's a yeah, bias. That's true. And a point of view is something you believe, but now you've got evidence, research, and thinking to back it up. You do. And I think a lot of times people will say, oh, well, that is so biased. And I'm wondering, well, Well, is that just a strong point of view that's being expressed, or is that bias? It's both, because a point of view can have bias. Because a point of view can can shut out one side with blinders on or closed ears and say, I'm only going to listen to this much. That's why I have Mm -hmm. my point of view. But you're right. Uh, One has an education-informed until you've seen all of the information, you shouldn't be making a judgment well, call. And, and just, we're not here to yeah, judge anyway. That's right. not what our job is. I just wish people would take the time to make a distinction because mm-hmm. bias is one of those words that gets overused and misapplied, I think. And people don't stop to think, well, maybe it's a strong point of view that a person has and they're, you know, and they're being totally candid. They're saying, I'm not mm-hmm. trying to give you the full story. I'm just telling you what I think or what I believe based on the research and the evidence that I have. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a valid thing to do if a person is being clear about what they're doing. They're not trying to give you the whole perspective. As long as they're, you know, revealing that, mm-hmm. that this is my point of view, mm-hmm. this is how I feel about it, Right. that's great. Yeah. They, they, can, they can do that, but you got to be careful with that if you're in the media. Absolutely. Because if you're trying to say you're a fair media person and you're biased... Well, and I think, or if you're saying this is my point of view, that you know, yeah. it's the perspective that. And you it lay depends on, it. on your role. If mm-hmm. you're supposed to be a news gatherer versus a commentator or a pundit Correct. or somebody with a different role, which again, that's the consumer. That's really on the consumer to say, okay, what am I listening to? Am I listening to entertainment? Am I listening to opinion? Am I listening to analysis? Am mm-hmm. I listening to reporting of the facts? And right. if the listener is not making that distinction, it's kind of on them to make it right that's true yeah yeah be careful what you're putting in your mind yeah garbage in garbage out or vice or, or versa like pay or, attention. or learn or it's, educate yourself right and it's like the food that you consume right mm-hmm. you should know what the sugar and the Carbs. trans fats mm-hmm. and the carb content you you ought to know what makes up that thing before you consume it and then make an informed choice and you know if if you know you're going to binge on dessert so you know you're doing it Correct. But at least you're aware of what it is you're doing, and it's a conscious decision to consume it. And on the other side of that, not everybody's body is the same. Mm. So how you might process protein might be different on how I process protein okay. or vegetables or carbs. Um, my brain might rely on more carbs, which it does, mm-hmm. than, mm-hmm. <laughs> than a lot Someone of other else. people's. Mm-hmm. Be, just because of the fact that how you are built is not everybody's built the same. Right. Not everybody's bodies are the same for intake. 
So, so then that brings you back around to your media diet, right? Not mm-hmm. everybody's going to process it the same. That's right. And, you know, we, we're down to the last minute and a half, and we didn't even get to talk about deep fake, uh, n- deep fake technology, which is something that I've been reading and researching for my classes because of this technology about now how you can really replicate. You can put your voice or your words into a video that of someone else that's famous and have them say in their voice with their face your words and that I is, think they do that all the time on Saturday Night Live <laughs> they're just real obvious that they're doing satire right. and it's an actual actor as opposed right. to a video replica right. that's probably where that started. of the president of the United States right <laughs> saying yeah so um, yeah, that technology is. really, you know, it's hard enough now for the mm-hmm. consumer to distinguish between fact and alternate facts or whatever. Right. It's hard enough now, but when mm-hmm. video technology is becoming available at a very affordable price and it's so good, how are we going to authenticate what we see with our eyes? And when all that history is gone, how are we going to keep from repeating it? Mm-hmm. That's the thing. We need to preserve what's correct. Yeah. Well, thank you, Melissa, so much for this quick little visit. I know you and I could go (laughs) on and on and on about all the media things that we we think are important, but we we appreciate very much you spending a few minutes here with us at Hello from Campus. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye.